Open with me to Luke chapter 6. Sam and I have been married for seven years now, which is not very long compared to some of you, and maybe for some of you you're thinking, wow, how has she put up with you for seven years? But we, we still like to do this. We like to try and find a TV show that we both like, and that we both are into, and we like to watch it together. That's something that we can do together. And we, what we have found is, especially since having children, uh, it is harder and harder to do things together without the children. It is hard to find that intentional time with your spouse. And so one of the things that we like to do is after the kids go to bed, we'll try and watch an episode of a TV show together. And one of the first that I remember us watching together, it was one of the extreme home makeover shows. And it wasn't the one where they come in and redo the house, it was the weight loss edition. And I don't think it still runs. I don't even know if uh, they play, play reruns of this or if any of you have ever even seen it or heard of it. But we really loved it. And so each episode, there would be this, the same guy who's like the host and, and the trainer and the person who's with the people throughout the whole episode. And there would be a new person on each episode. And it would be someone who's significantly overweight. And the whole point of the show is that he would walk through life with this person for however long. Usually it was probably about a year or so. And he would work on a, a workout plan for them to, to get healthy. He would work on a diet plan and, and all these different things. He would work on every area of their life in order for them to get back to where they're in a, on a, in a healthy weight, eating a healthy diet, and all these things. And what you typically have is an extreme change from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode. And there would always be this big reveal that they would hint at throughout the show to keep you watching where you get to see the final progress of the person. And usually, it was stunning. It was a huge difference. And I think a lot of us are interested in change like that, and perhaps that's our culture as a whole. We love a huge change like that, and that made us want to watch a show like that. And specifically, us inside the church, I think we, we are drawn to this idea of this awesome conversion story to Christ. Right, Those people who were drug addicts or in prison or into all of the bad things that you can imagine, and then God saved them and changed their life in a huge way, and now they're following after him. Maybe they're even in ministry, doing great things. And we always like to think that, man, those huge conversion stories are awesome, and God can really use those people in their conversion story to reach other people. And while that is true... That leaves the rest of us thinking, well, man, if I've got a boring testimony, then maybe God can't use me. But what I want to talk about tonight, if you haven't already noticed, is love. And what I want you to see about love tonight is that Jesus instructs us on how to live towards people outside of the church and towards people inside of the church. And the way that he instructs us on how to live is going to make us have an impact in the world. It's going to help us be noticed by the outside world to see what God is like. And so if you are sitting here tonight and you don't have this crazy, awesome conversion story like I don't, I want you to be encouraged that God is still going to use you, that God is absolutely going to use you in whatever way that he has brought your life from before Christ to now, and he's going to do it through love. 
Now, when I was a young seminary student, just starting, I was very zealous, I would always think that, that if anybody brought up the topic of love in uh, like a Bible study or, you know, a small group, that it was just kind of cheesy and, oh yeah, let's just all love each other and hug on each other and this is going to be great. But I've been studying Luke chapter 6 for a while now. I've been reading it a lot. And Jesus talks a lot about love. And I really believe that over the last month or two months, however long I've been reading this, God has really been changing the way I think about love and changing the way I see him using love. So that's what I want us to look at tonight. We're going we're gonna to begin in verse 27, and we'll read all the way down through verse 42. So follow along with me. This is Jesus talking, and he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those, to whom, to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First... Take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus gave us instruction. And that what Luke has recorded for us here in Luke chapter six is Jesus teaching us how to love our enemies. And how to treat those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, we ask that you would instruct us this evening. Help us to become wise after having read and and studied and considered your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this passage falls into what we understand is the Sermon on the Plain. And it's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew. But this is Luke's account of Jesus' teaching. And it's contained all in chapter 6. And he begins with the Beatitudes, much like he does in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he goes straight into loving our enemies. And he says some pretty harsh things, or some pretty hard things. And the first section where he talks about loving our enemies, I want us to see that Jesus is giving us instruction on how we are to treat those outside the church. When he says that we are to love our enemies, I believe he's talking about those who are outside of the church. Now, it's easy for us to to read the word enemies and just, just automatically assume maybe radical Muslims. I served in the military. I spent time in Afghanistan. It would be easy for me to just automatically assume and to associate enemies with Al-Qaeda. And, but for us to say, all right, well, we've got to love those people, right? We, we know that there are not all terrorists in the Middle East. We know that everybody who's a Muslim, is not, that does not mean that they're a terrorist. We need to love those people. It may be easy to say that, because we're so distant and separated from them. Now, that's not to say that we should not have relationships with them. We should. And if you do, that's great. But it would be easy for us to to pick an extremist organization or something like that and say, yeah, they're my enemy, and and I'll try my best to love them. But when this really starts to hit home is when we see people around us that do us wrong, Or people that have wronged us perhaps intentionally. So think about think about your work, where you work. If it's a big place of employment, that means there's probably a lot of people there, and there tends to be people that you don't necessarily get along with. Perhaps even people that you are competing with for promotions or for raises. And there can be some tense headbutting there, right? There can be a little bit of put down here and there. A little jockeying for position. Or perhaps you've got a neighbor that likes to cut their grass really low, right? And you've watched all the YouTube videos on how that's not healthy for your grass. And if you want to have a good, a good lawn, you've got to leave it with some height. You know, you don't want to cut it straight down to the dirt. And maybe your neighbor, when he cuts his grass down to the dirt, he's kind of coming over into your yard a lot. So then your yard's not looking so hot. Maybe that's you or me. And maybe for some of you young people, right? Perhaps you're, you're in school. We know and, and we've heard so many times that bullying is such a big problem. It, it currently is. It was when I was in school. I'm sure it was when many of you were in school. And, and if we go to the school now, when they start on Wednesday, I am sure that we are going to find bullying. So when we think about Jesus telling us to love our enemies, it's easy for us to, for our minds to go to those extreme situations and think, all right, I'll love those people because I honestly never really interact with them. But when we start to think a little closer to home, perhaps those people that spread gossip about us, those neighbors that are making our yard look terrible, that get on our nerves, those people that don't treat us right when we go to school, it gets a lot harder to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. So let's look again and see what he says. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies 
and do good to those who hate you. Do good to the people that hate you. He says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Jesus is not being ambiguous. Jesus is being pretty clear, isn't he? He says, if there are people that you don't get along with or that don't get along with you, people that treat you poorly, he says, I'm going to tell you how you should treat them. Love them. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. These are not easy things to do. What else does he say? He says, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes your goods, do not demand them back. So Jesus is now giving us some examples. He says, let's say that someone strikes you on the cheek. What would your natural response be? Oh, why don't you just hit my other cheek? No, our natural response is going to want to be to lash out, to then return the favor and slap them on the cheek, right? When someone does us wrong, our natural inclination is to return what they have done, to give it back to them. But Jesus says, that's not how I'm instructing you. He says, if that's how you're treated, offer the other cheek also. He's saying, don't retaliate. Don't take justice into your own hands and think you have to make the situation right. He says, leave that to me. He says, my instruction for you is to love them, to do good to them, to bless them, to pray for them. He says, if someone takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Sounds wild. Why, why, if they just take my coat, why would I, all right, here's my shirt. Jesus is saying, we should be willing to go to any extent to not return that favor of evil. We should be willing to take any sort of wrong that's done to us and not retaliate, is what Jesus is saying. He says, give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. He says, we should be freely giving to others who are begging from us, who are even taking from us. We should not retaliate and try to take those things back. Now notice, notice one thing. In these examples that Jesus has given, notice one thing. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, how close do you have to be to someone for them to strike you on the cheek? Got to be right there next to them, right? Okay. What about the one who might take away your cloak? How close do you have to be to someone who might take away your cloak? Got to be right there with them, right? Or how close do you have to be to someone who might beg from you or try and take away your goods? You've got to be right there with them, don't you? Jesus' solution in loving our enemies is not to avoid them. I think that would be all of our natural responses. Okay, I'm supposed to love these people who mistreat me, who take things from me, who say all kinds of terrible things against me. I'll just avoid them. It was a few weeks ago in our Sunday school class, and, and I asked our students, I said, what is one thing you can do this year to make this year better than last year? 
And one of the responses, stay away from people that I don't like. Legitimately, that's what one of them said. And I said, do you really think that's going to make it better? What if you actually cared and, and, and loved on those people who didn't treat you well? That might make that year even better. Perhaps that person will be changed by your love for them instead of your avoiding them. And I think for many of us, it would be so easy and so convenient if we just avoided all the people who did us wrong or did us harm. But it seems that Jesus has in mind that we're not going to avoid them, but we're going to do good to them. We're going to bless them. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to continue to live life among them. And then, after all the examples that he's given, he gives us the golden rule. He says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So he says, in the examples that I've given, if they don't cover the situation that you find yourself in, here's the template. Here's how to think about how you should treat that person. How would you like them to treat you? Would you like them to return the favor if you did them wrong? He says, this is, this is how we are to treat the people who do us wrong, okay? And then he goes in and he starts explaining why we should do this. In verse 32, he says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. He says, if you're only going to love the people that love you back, if you're only going to lend to the people that you know you'll get money back or, or whatever it is back, he says, so what? The whole world does that. Anybody will love someone who is loved in return. That is a natural feeling that all of us will express. He says, if that's the way that you're going to love, you're not different from the rest of the world. That's how the entire world operates. But then he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. You know why Jesus is instructing us to love those who hate us or to love those who persecute us? Because that's how God loved you and me. The Bible clearly teaches that all of us are sinful people. That all of us are in need of forgiveness and not a single one of us has done anything to earn God's favor. But yet, that's how God has loved us. He's been good to us when we were his enemies. He was kind to us when we were his enemies. He gave to us when we were his enemies. And Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to do anything that I myself have not done. He says, this is how I have loved you, and so you as my disciples now love your enemies in that same way. He says in verse 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. He says, in doing these things, you will be sons of the Most High. You'll be children of God. It will be apparent that you belong to God Almighty because you love in the same way that he loved you. 
So Jesus instructs us on how we should love those outside of the church. But then we get into verse 37 and following, and he begins to instruct us on how we should love those inside the church. Perhaps this is the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Judge not, and you will not be judged. We've all heard that, haven't we? He continues, and he says, Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus is saying we need to be a people who are not judgmental with one another. We need to be people who are not condemning one another. We need to be people who are willing to forgive one another. We need to be people who are generous with one another in our giving. I'm going to come back to this in just a moment because what he says after this helps us understand this. So he continues and he says, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Seems like a pretty obvious no. He says, will, not they, will they both not fall into a pit? A blind person leading a blind person is a bad idea 100% of the time. Then he says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Jesus is instructing us. He says, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you learn from. Because if you learn from someone who's blind, he's going to lead you right into the ditch with him, with himself. But then he continues and he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? So here's the question. He says, you may notice something that's wrong with your brother, and, and we would say, all right, if you notice sin within the church, within a brother or sister, you should say something to them. But that would be making a judgment, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be you sitting and saying, hey, I'm making a judgment, and, and I see what you're doing, and I think it's wrong. So is Jesus contradicting himself or not? Let's continue. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. He says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, Jesus is not teaching us that we should never judge one another's actions. He is teaching us that we shouldn't judge one another just to be judgmental, just to condemn one another. He's saying it is right for us to call our brothers or sisters out when they sin, but only if we first have dealt with our own sin. You see, Jesus is instructing us on how we should treat one another inside the church. He's saying we have to keep each other accountable and we have to call each other out on our sin but what's most important before we do that is looking at our own heart and seeing our own sin and confessing it before God so that we'll be able to take the speck out of our brother's eye. Jesus says if we don't deal with our own sin before dealing with someone else's sin, that's when we're just being judgmental. I'm sure all of us have had some experience at church where people have been judgmental, haven't we? Style of music, the way the people dress, 
tattoos, hairstyles. Jesus says, let's not be people who judge one another before we deal with our own heart. Now, I said at the beginning that we're going to talk about love. And I want us to see why God is going to use love to make us effective in reaching the world, our community, our neighbors. I don't know how many of you read the Old Testament. I try and read it as much as I can. I tend to read the New Testament far more, which is probably most of us. But I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4 very quickly. And in the Old Testament, you've got God's people who are the Israelites. God chose them as his own people. And what he did was he gave them the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments, and then he proceeded to give them a bunch of other laws. You can read about those in Leviticus. And I think there's a lot of confusion for people who maybe are not as familiar with the Old Testament about what was the purpose of the law. Why did God give his people so many different laws Because perhaps you've heard of some of the crazy ones, like you can't wear clothes that are uh, two different threads sewn together. Why? That's weird. But there's a lot of laws. And I want you to understand why God gave Israel the laws that he did. So look with me. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 5. This is Moses writing. He says, See... I have taught you statutes. I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it? as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that is set before you today? This is the reason that God gave the law to the Israelites. Because God is saying, when you obey the law, when you keep the law, Other nations are going to see how righteous those laws are. Other nations are going to see how good our God is. So there may be some strange laws. There might be some really odd ones that we just don't understand. But what Moses wants the people to know is that by obeying the law, the world is going to notice that you're different. The world is going to notice that you're distinct. The world is going to see righteousness in those laws And that righteousness is God's righteousness because God's the one who came up with these laws. So as we're obedient to the laws in the Old Testament, the world sees what God is like. I firmly believe the same is true for you and for me based on all of the commandments that Jesus gives us in the New Testament. There's a reason why Jesus in in the Great Commission told us to not only make disciples but to teach them everything to observe everything that he had commanded. Well, in the Sermon on the Plain, is a very heavy teaching of Jesus. And in it, he teaches us how we are to treat those who are our enemies, 
those who are outside of the church, those who are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, no matter how much wrong they may do to you, he says, we are to love them and to do good to them. And he says, when you do that, the world is gonna see how righteous and holy I am. And when we love one another inside the church, and we're not just judgmental, condemnation people, but yet we deal with our own sin before going and dealing with other people's sin, when we love one another in such a way that we're willing to forgive each other and lend to each other, whether we get paid back or not, God is saying the world is gonna notice that you are different. The world is gonna see the righteousness of God in the way you and I live. Towards outsiders and towards one another's. One another. The way that we live matters. It matters to Jesus. I preached not too long ago on a Sunday morning from Titus chapter two. And Paul is making this exact same argument to the church. He's saying, the Cretans are are saying one thing. They're saying they believe God, but they're not living like it. He says, that's confusing to the world. That is why our country is so confused about what Christians are or what they're not. Is because the country that we live in is so full of churches that don't understand how to love our enemies and to love one another. Paul says to the church in Crete, he says, the way that you live towards each other and towards outsiders, it matters. Because that is how the world is gonna see what God is like And that is how God is going to use us as effective witnesses in the world. Not all of us are going to have an awesome testimony of where we were, you know, in in the slums or in the lowest of the lows and God saved us and brought us to this great place where we can now tell everybody about how much God has done. No matter what your testimony looks like, no matter what your conversion looks like, God is going to use you as you live according to what he has taught. If you love the people who hate you and who don't agree with you, Jesus says the world is going to notice. The world will notice. And when the world comes in, inside of our doors, and wants to check out what we're all about, says if we're loving one another, if we're not judgmental towards one another, if we're not condemning one another, but yet we're forgiving one another, we're dealing with sin before dealing with other people's sin, says the world is going to know that's how God has taught us to live. That's how the world is going to see that our God is holy and righteous. And that's how they're going to see how God has forgiven us and how he can forgive them too. Church, the way we live matters. Not just the way we live inside these walls. The way we live all of the time matters to God. I hope you understand that. I hope you understand that God sees your life at every moment in time. And every moment of time matters to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this strong teaching that we are to love one another, not to be judgmental, not to condemn one another, but to be generous with one another and to forgive one another. 
And you have taught us to love those who don't love us in return. And God, we saw not only that you have done that to us in dying while we were yet sinners, but you did it at the cross. Wrongfully hated, wrongfully beaten, wrongfully put on the cross, but you endured it. You loved the people who beat you and who put you on the cross. And God, I pray that we would learn from the teaching of Jesus and from the example of Jesus how we then should live towards outsiders, how we then should live towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, may our lives be filled with love for one another, with love for those who are our enemies. And God, may you use that in all of our lives to save sinners who do not net, who do not yet know you. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.